Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposed the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. Mm-hmm. We broadcast live every weeknight. Jump in. Jump in. <laughs> hey, folks, he's out of breath because he was, wasn't late. He's been in the office uh, here in the studio. Tardy. But coming tardy. from the office in that room over there to right out here takes him some time sometimes yeah, actually well well folks we simulcast um well we broadcast every weeknight monday through friday 7 to 10 p.m eastern time for those new to the program and, and also we simulcast on btr however our flagship station global star radio network proud to be a part of that and also you can watch us live on youtube right there live on youtube um Links to each audio and video broadcasting menu can be found right there on our homepage at hagmanandhagman.com. Also, for news prep, analysis, show prep, uh, go to hagmanreport.com. We've got two websites, two primary websites, Hagman and Hagman Report, or uh, hagmanandhagman.com and hagmanreport.com. Don't forget, um, well, don't forget, our, our, the grand opening of our store, which is kind of cool, HagmanReportStore.com this week. I want to thank everyone for visiting and browsing. And um, if you get an error message that um, if you get an error message that, that says your order was canceled, that's being repaired right now. So so no worries on that whatsoever. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, um, we we have so many people. Descriptions of the items. It, it, it's really interesting. Hey, go ahead and browse. Browse at HagmanReportStore.com. Yeah, there's some awesome stuff there. Yeah, you know, we have the coffee mugs to the the beacons, emergency beacons. Um, we also have T-shirts there, Hagman and Hagman T-shirts, as well as the um, laptop backpack, which also has RFID blocker inside of it and is a great deal compared to other laptop bags you'll find at per se, Best Buy, 
Um, I mean, 50 bucks cheaper than the one I got, and it has all the same amount of pockets and, and that extra uh, RFID blocking capability inside the book bag with the zipper there where you can put your phone, your wallet, and whatnot. And 20-ounce um, coffee mugs, uh, those are great. And there's some hats there, too. And uh, just got that up and running. I know my dad put a lot of work into it here. I actually made room in the studio, ordered everything. And we, uh, people who order from the store will um, get the order directly from us. We will send it out ourselves. So it is a uh, Actually, Hagman and Hagman we, operation. Yeah, I mean, we, we handle everything. Yeah. I pack everything with care. So anyway, a lot of news to get into, but... Uh, uh, our guest tonight, Paul McGuire, and I apologize, Paul, for not uh, uh, not, not uh, saying hello before the program. Um, but uh, anyway, one of my favorite people in the entire world is Paul McGuire. I have a lot of respect for that man. PaulMcGuire dot us is his website. Folks, visit PaulMcGuire dot us. And I'm so excited about the book, his book that's coming out, uh, Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016. It's an entirely new, different book. I, then a prophecy of the future of America. So please, folks, watch for that. Pre-order that. Go to paulmcguire.us. Paul, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. You you sound like you're at high velocity, which means you must have been running around the studio there. Uh, um, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this is yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. So, so like while you were doing uh, the intro and Joe was doing the intro, I'm glad I, I brought two computers in the room that I'm in because I'm checking out your store at the same time as I'm checking out other stuff. So I'm able to look at what you were talking about. Cool. Thanks, brother. I, I appreciate that. Well, we, you know, we uh, we were doing a lot of research. I was doing a lot of research today, and we were collectively and individually doing research. And uh, so, so much on the horizon, on the event horizon. One thing that I'm really concerned about is the, um, and we can get into whatever you, you want, whatever you want to get into. But one thing I'm concerned about is in the news about these 28 pages uh, coming out about the Saudi report. It's obviously much more than the 28 pages, but I have this suspicion, Paul, that. Um, if they do allow this to come out, it, it still will be redacted. But um, I can't see where, given given the information that is contained within the 28 pages of the 9-11 report, is what I'm referring to, um, I, I, I can't see them allowing this to come out, given the fact that this will expose the, the incestuous Saudi um, Bush-Clinton and, and the very heavily... Uh, William Jefferson Clinton White House, uh, and as well as George Bush, their relationships with the Saudis. I'm very concerned about that because I would I would suspect that there's some other, um, some something something else going on, and uh, that along with the censorship of the uh, uh, Facebook and and social media, as well as one more thing, and then I'm just gonna flat out turn it over to you. One more thing. Uh, on the 21st of April, and this is on HagmanReport.com, on the 21st of April, um, uh, the Daily Beast reported that the Hillary PAC had spent a million dollars, a million dollars, on uh, um, correcting comments on social media, basically censoring comments on social media. Is So you've got these, these uh, Hillary bots, if you will, uh, and Obama bots, and I do have sources that suggest White House involvement as well. So having said all of that, um, 
man, it's you know, there's some things here going on and a lot to talk about. In line with what you said about Facebook and Hillary Clinton spending a million dollars to correct these comments, it's come out that the uh, Facebook has been censoring conservative news. Sure. Um, I'm not sure if we talked about that much this week on the program, and as well as you know, religious uh, Christian conservative news. Uh, mostly, and they there has been a release of a guide that Facebook has been going by, and mm-hmm. what they and, and it shows how they choose what you know they want to suppress. Yeah, but Paul, let's turn it over to you. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Well, it's very interesting that you're bringing that up because um, <clears throat> I was uh, talking with somebody yesterday, and I happened to be uh, uploading a. Um, a video message. I have a new Roku channel, the Paul McGuire Report, so I've been uploading messages on that. And I happen to notice that this particular message that I was uploading uh, was originally recorded in 2005. And I always find that interesting when you uh, look at your previous work and there's an actual date on it or whether, you know, whether it's a copyright or whatever. So I recorded this message in 2005. I, I, I didn't even remember what really, what the, 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 the content was, but except for generally. And I was loading, uh, loading it up on my Roku channel. And, uh, I, the first, like, four minutes in, immediately, I started talking about, um, the fact that social media is uh, controlled, um, uh, manipulating the public, Orwellian, and uh, uh, I don't remember if I named Facebook by name, but I was definitely alluding to several of the social media giants. And this was in 2005, and what I was saying was that they uh, manipulate uh, reality, and if, if the viewpoint is politically correct, uh, and fits into their agenda, which is, you know, globalism, humanistic, whatever. Um, that content, whether it's a video, whether it's an article, whether it's uh, a Facebook uh, uh, thing or Twitter or whatever social media it is, you find, or YouTube, you find that it goes, it goes all over the place. And uh, I, I was observing this in 2005, and so it's not just Facebook, it's the whole spectrum of these social media organizations. And, and conversely, if you, if you have a liberal perspective or a politically correct perspective or a globalist perspective or whatever, you find that your content, your YouTube, your Facebook posting or whatever just goes everywhere. It goes viral. So I've been monitoring this a long time, and I dealt with it in a number of my books. I deal with it, ironically, before the Facebook thing came out. I dealt with it heavily in my new book, A Prophecy of the America of the Future of America, 2016-2017, before the Facebook story came out. Uh, I had dealt heavily with this uh, topic in the new book, which will be released in the first two weeks of June to all the people that have pre-ordered it. And um, I'm listening to, to this, and I'm talking about the Orwellian control of the media, and I'm talking about the fact that um, you can have a YouTube, and I look at my YouTube history of different titles that I have. 
and um, the, the computers will sift through certain titles, and if the computer system, or what they call an algorithm, but I think human beings are involved also, uh, if they perceive, let's say, that you have a position, uh, let's say you're, you're not for Agenda 21 or uh, sustainable uh, uh, developments, um, um, then you're buried numerically. It, it will, it will, you will see a artificial low percentage of hits or visits because it's manipulated. Um, I've run uh, different YouTube messages with similar title content, and I have a, a kind of a feel for what kind of bounce I'll get, whether it'll get 3,000 views or 60,000 views in a year or whatever, and it's, fair, just, it's just fairly accurate. But I've noticed that if I inadvertently put in something in the title or the first sentence or two, which is not politically correct, the 60,000 views that I should get will now be 1,900 views. And it will stay that way. So it was obvious to me that the game was rigged. Uh, and then when I was appearing on your show, I noticed that there were cer certain uh, social media ranking companies that had integrity, and they would show these very large numbers. I mean, you guys have some huge numbers um, um, when I'm on and some of your other guests are on, uh, numbers that exceed programs on Fox News and CNN. And they're just massive uh, uh, numbers of people watching your program or listening to your program. But um, if they don't, uh, so, so this particular social media uh, entity has integrity, and they give a consistently accurate numerical count. So if I compare it with some of their competitors, and this entity has you know, huge numbers, but their competitors show these ridiculous small numbers, I realize rather quickly that they're manipulating it because it's all about how many hits, how many visits, how many views, how many reads you have, and if they can artificially reduce your views, your hits, or whatever, then essentially they're saying you're... you're Content or you uh, are meaningless. You're you're irrelevant. But they, but they're manipulating it all. And then they'll have some wacko, uh, hardcore, um, uh, politically correct uh, message that will get like a hundred thousand or half a million hits because they, because they're propping it up. And uh, so it's interesting that you bring this up. But it's just the tip of the iceberg because it's not just Facebook. It's a whole bunch of them, and I deal with this in yeah. the book, and I also deal with something in the book where I'm careful about what I say, but let me just put it this way. If anybody believes the uh, mythological stories about how these guys were tinkering in their garage uh, in Silicon Valley and mysteriously ended up with multi-billion empires, if anybody believes those mythological stories, uh, they've been smoking too much of something because that's not how it happened. Very well said. Yeah, um, it's the greatest success story that is perhaps one of the greatest fables, uh, and, and you can get certainly get into as much of that as you want. But we we really need to take a look at that. We are experiencing Paul. Paul it, it, so much. You said so much there. We are experiencing here in, in our our venue uh, manipulation on a large scale. Number Absolutely. one, um, YouTube, yeah, YouTube, uh, um, social networking, but all all across all the social networks. But the other thing too is we have also. 
uh, and and I don't want to get too deep into this, but we have been warned off of talking about certain topics, and uh, that just makes me want to talk about them more. For example, any type of um, on an intellectually deep level, and, and this is one that is not necessarily in the news, but it's important nonetheless. Comparing the Nazi ideology, or or when we talk about Nazi, um, anything Nazi related, not the word, but the ideology. Okay, um, we are being warned off of that. Um, we are being warned off of some of the more social, you know, uh, the, the social engineering topics of um, transgenderism, transhumanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know right. all of this. Don't be talking about that. Uh, abortion as well. Abortion, and uh, we found that abortion and the uh, uh, the uh, transsexual, as well as climate thing, change, yeah, and, and climate change too. So all of this really pretends to, to us that there's a larger something very nefarious going on here, and uh, and I'm sure you've you've gotten the same. Uh, you're in yeah, the same yeah. Point. The, there is, and I I began talking about it in earlier books, but in the new one that's coming out in a couple of weeks, before the Facebook story broke, I got into it uh, pretty deeply um, because I ha- had just come across all kinds of information that, that proved it to me. But, um, you know, this is like a, a George Orwellian um uh, global matrix where they control the flow and content of information. And what's what's uh, what's ironic about this entire thing <clears throat> is that uh, for those people that were around or whatever or remember during the 1960s counterculture and the 1970s counterculture in Berkeley, um, uh, the University of Berkeley, California, uh, California, there was a guy named I think it was Mario. Uh, Slavio, I, I may mispronounce his wrong, uh, uh, last name, but it was Mario, and he was the head of the uh, free speech movement. And this was a huge historical uh, event for the counterculture in America, uh, this free speech movement. And what they did is they would protest uh, on the campus of the University of Berkeley, uh, vigorously protest the right the right to free speech, the right to say anything that you believed in, the right to have dissenting opinions, the right to be able to express dissenting opinions with no censorship. So this was like one of the cardinal tenets of the counterculture of the 70s, and it it came out of the free speech movement. Now, this is what is so uh, um, bizarre, but it's it's not bizarre, but it is bizarre at the same time. Is that back then? <clears throat> when I, you know, you know my story. When I was fifteen, I was demonstrating with Abby Hoffman and hanging out with the radical activists and all that stuff. And uh, they were always crying out about the the need to have free speech. Uh, no matter what, they they were all champions of free speech, and they would come out and say well, whether it's right wing free speech or left wing free speech or whatever they believed in free speech and they went to the streets for it. So what happened in a few short consecutive years was that the left, not the right, and they were always suggesting that the right wing or conservatives were censors. 
that they would take away your free speech. And the right wing and conservatives were always blamed for censorship and for attempting to remove free speech. But what actually happened was the exact opposite. It turned out that it was the left and the socialists that uh, became the fascists. And so today on college campuses and in the media, the most violent, militant, anti-free speech movement uh, on just about every college campus in the nation and in the media and other uh, uh, social media, et cetera, the, all the censorship, all the attacks and silencing of free speech, all the shutdowns of dissenting opinions are not coming from the right wing or the conservatives, which they claimed were book burners, you know, and censors. All the censorship, all the attacks on free speech have all come, without exception, from the hardcore left and the progressive community. So in college campuses, it's like, you know, the time of Chairman Mao. You can't say anything that is in contradiction to the politically correct uh, jargon. Uh, they'll shut you down. They'll beat you up. They'll, they'll smash in your car windows. You'll have death threats. So the left started out being the champions of free speech, but then here we are a couple of decades later, and it is the left. And this, this isn't a biased comment. This is an objective assessment. The left is the most fascist, anti-free speech, um, anti-communication of dissenting ideas movement um, since the, the time of Hitler or Stalin or anything else. It, it is the left that is the most militant in suppressing free speech. And yet what baffles me is the myopic um, perspective from the young people and the professors and, and the people in the Hollywood community because they don't realize that by suppressing the free speech of conservatives and people who would, let's say, be libertarian or right-wing, they're next. Because once you start censoring free speech, um, it doesn't stop with censoring your opponent's beliefs. It, it ends up taking away everybody's ability to express themselves. And that's where we are here in America. And, and, to, and to add to that, we now have this Orwellian matrix with computer algorithms, uh, computers that can sift, you know, millions of bits of data, track trends, and destroy movements, destroy individuals, or destroy anything which espouses a belief system that is not the officially state-approved uh, propaganda matrix, you know, leftist globalist point of view. So this is a very, very serious thing, and um, there's a huge amount of intellectual dishonesty on the left and among those who would be liberal news commentators because they seem to applaud this, and we are in a state of Orwellian censorship, and it's very dangerous. You got that right. And, and it's... They're not even hiding this anymore, I, I guess. No. I, I mean, no, they're not. So is that indicative of how, the lateness of the hour, Paul, or is this, um, I mean, what, what do you make of that, the fact that they're being so overt about this? Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, indicative of the lateness of the hour, and it's also indicative of what happens when, you socially engineer and program several generations of youth. 
So, for example, when I was in college uh, with the counterculture and all that, we were, even though I was a leftist, I was a champion of free speech. And even if it was free speech, I didn't believe in. And most of my contemporaries uh, believed in, in promoting free speech, even if it was free speech they didn't believe in. So we would have people come to our campus, uh, the University of Missouri. We had a guy, um, Norman Mailer. He was a famous liberal leftist journalist who wrote a lot about anti-Vietnam protests, etc. And he was a brilliant speaker. He was an intellectual. And he just let it rip from the, the college campus stage um, about his political beliefs, which were liberal and, and not conservative in any way. In any way. But he, uh, being a champion of the left back then, he would have fully supported the right uh, for somebody who was conservative or who held right-wing positions to express their viewpoint without any censorship. And again, so were the other intellectuals. They would have done the same thing. So we had a whole string of people like the black uh, African-American comedian Dick, Brady, uh, Dick Gregory speak. Uh, his message is totally unique, but he believed in free speech. So what has happened, though, is that, and I, I deal with this in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017. If we go back to the key year of 1930, 1933, in Frankfurt, Germany, we have the um, rise of what was called the Frankfurt School of Higher Criticism. Now, the Frankfurt School uh, consisted of cultural Marxists, people who did not, they were Marxist revolutionaries, but they didn't believe in, in the, the open guns and bloody revolution in the streets type of communist revolution. They believed that uh, an effective Marxist com communist revolution had to take place by manipulating the culture. And so all these intellectuals, and they were brilliant, brilliant men, um, uh, created the Frankfurt School in Germany, and they uh, raised up and taught cultural Marxists, and out of that Frankfurt School, they created this entire uh, thing called political correctness correctness as a mechanism of controlling thought and promoting certain ideas and suppressing other ideas. That was part of their cultural Marxist revolution. Uh, they also understood the importance of film, culture, television, uh, um, media. And so as cultural Marxists, they, they planned to... Uh, uh, create a Marxist revolution in the United States of America and Europe, but do it through media and the culture, and they were successful. But um, as they were rising to power, Adolf Hitler took over Nazi Germany, and uh, Hitler being a socialist of a different perspective, uh, the cultural Marxists realized that Hitler was going to go after them. So the cultural Marxists escaped the United States of America in the 1930s. And they were accepted into all the key uh, positions at the uh, Ivy League schools, the most prominent think tanks and universities. And so what happened is you, uh, you had in the American educational system, it began to embed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cultural Marxists uh, 
who were trained uh, in the Frankfurt School, and they then became tenured professors, and that's why uh, so many universities and Ivy League uh, universities and prestigious schools are fertile Marxist ideological training grounds where you can't fire the professors because this goes back to the embedding of cultural Marxists from the Frankfurt School. You had guys like Edward Bernays, and Edward Bernays is considered uh, the father of modern, uh, modern advertising. He was the man who created the selling techniques uh, that sold cigarettes to women by convincing women that smoking cigarettes uh, made them sexually attractive. But he was a propagandist. In fact, Hitler used his propaganda techniques, and he was from the Frankfurt School. And then, what's most interesting, uh, and I uncover this in my book, um, and I was aware of it, but I dug deeper than I ever had d done before, um, I discovered that the one of the fathers of the seeker-friendly um, um, church movement, uh, one of the architects on how to build seeker-friendly churches, uh, the primary architect was a man named Peter Drucker. And Peter Drucker uh, moved from Germany. He was associated with the Frankfurt School. And he, along with other uh, Frankfurt School Marxists, uh, learned how to penetrate the marketplace, business, organization, management, as a, a means of uh, creating a uh, cultural Marxist revolution. And so what he did is he consulted a number of the leading uh, seeker-friendly church growth pastors, and he, he did a number of things right, and they had explosive numerical growth in these seeker-friendly churches. But the, the horror of it is you have... Uh, pastors who are, are supposedly born again, uh, seeking the guidance of cultural Marxists who are atheists and whose ultimate agenda is to uh, transform American society into a Marxist society. So the pastors of these seeker-friendly uh, church growth movements and churches are going to atheist cultural Marxists for instructions on how to grow their churches and, and how to organize their churches. And when you trace that whole thing, you realize that the cultural Marxists of the Frankfurt School moved into the seminaries, the megachurches, the denominations like a Trojan horse, and they subverted uh, evangelical Christianity from within. Now, what's interesting about this is in the 1970s, when I was, um, um, you know, had hair down to my waist, was a radical in the counterculture. I was deeply involved in the New Age movement and had a miraculous conversion with Jesus Christ hitchhiking on the back roads of Missouri. As God was rescuing me out of the occult and the New Age movement in the late 70s, at the exact same time God was rescuing me from the New Age movement, uh, one of the Stanford Research Institute gurus, um, uh, the very top man who, he was the guy who advised Marilyn Ferguson to write The Aquarian Conspiracy. Conspiracy. And he um, was invited by Wheaton College uh, at the Billy Graham School of Evangelism in Wheaton College. And Wheaton College was like the, 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 
premier evangelical university. And he gave a series of lectures to the most prominent evangelical Christian leaders and pastors in the nation, where he essentially is telling them that they need to incorporate New Age practices and beliefs in their church services, like communicating uh, with the dead, communicating with spirit guides. This guy also promoted the use of LSD, and he was one of the pioneers of the MKUltra program. And the reason I know that this is not some fictitious account of what happened is because it's the Billy Graham School of Evangelism, and I'm not saying Billy Graham had anything to do with it, but his school did, uh, Wheaton College. They published a book on these meetings uh, where this New Age leader lectured these Christian leaders, and you can read what was said to the Christian leaders from this New, new Age guru word for word. And, and the source for information is, the, uh, is, is Wheaton College. So as I was being saved out of the New Age movement, the New Age movement moved in with a Trojan horse right into Wheaton College and lectured the, the, the most prominent Christian leaders in America at the Billy Graham School of Evangelism and got them to adopt everything like contemplative meditation, Eastern mysticism, and everything else. So we see that the um, Christian church has been uh, subverted by Trojan horses, uh, those coming out of the Frankfurt School in Germany, and then those coming out of uh, Stanford Research Institute, MKUltra, and the gurus who uh, promoted LSD and the whole thing. So we have a very weird dynamics going on. So, so Paul, if I'm hearing you correctly, and, and I do believe I am, what you're referring to is essentially um, the CIA influence, if not overlap, certainly influence um, by the Central Intelligence Agency from the Dulles brothers forward, or from Alan Dulles uh, uh, onward, from its earliest uh, incarnation, the the CIA into permeating into all aspects of our social realm, I guess, including but not limited to the um, various, shall I say, religious venues. Is that right? Well, uh, yeah. You, I mean, yeah. You 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 nailed it. Um, what's and, and see. I write these books like a prophecy of the future of America, 2016, 2017, uh, to communicate this to the widest, the, the largest number of people possible. Also, have videos to go along with it, and then the Babylon Code and the other books that you've read. And I write this because, you know, I have been a professor of eschatology or Bible prophecy at leading uh, evangelical seminaries, and I've talked to the other professors. And I know what's in their curriculum, and uh, all these guys who, uh, who are graduating from leading seminaries, uh, and then they're running denominations and they're running megachurches. I'm not saying that these guys are bad, but what I am saying is that they're uneducated and totally unaware of how their uh, ideas on church growth, on church organization, uh, on building a church, on evangelism. They're totally unaware of the fact that the methodologies that they've incorporated were do not come from the Bible, uh, do not come from Christian men or women. They come from guys like Willis Harmon, 
uh, one of the head, heads of Stanford Research Institute and the MK Ultra program. And Willis Harmon was this new age guru and, and uh, professor who uh, uh, indoctrinated uh, uh, the, the most powerful Christian evangelical leaders at the Wheaton School uh, and the Billy, Billy Graham School of Evangelism. Willis Harmon, and I remember, see, this is what, what see, the, the, I believe, and I know that you believe this, Doug, also, because I read your writings and, and listen to what you say. The Holy when, when when we're looking for truth and we're doing research, the Holy Spirit sometimes acts like a Geiger counter, or it, we just, he, he pulls us into directions that we would never, nece- uh, never necessarily take ourselves. So I, I read about Willis Harmon, uh, as I'm doing research for the new book, and I know who Willis Harmon is because I remember him from the 70s uh, being instrumental in the uh, publication of Marilyn Ferguson's The Aquarian Conspiracy, his work with the Stanford Research Institute and LSD and MK Ultra Mind Control and uh, uh, New Age Sciences. So I know this guy's name. He's like the, the, the top of the top. And then my mouth hangs open as I'm reading how this guy is doing a series of symposiums and lectures at the uh, Christian University Wheaton College at the Billy Graham School of Evangelism. And I'm saying to myself, how is it that he can lecture some of the most influential Christian leaders, I mean, guys who theoretically should have some biblical theology, and he's he's telling them to uh, communicate with the dead, to be open to leaving their body through astral projection, uh, to maybe experiment with psychedelic drugs, and to do other New Age and occultic activities. Now, you don't even have to be a professor of theology. All you have to do is be an average Christian and read the New Testament or, let's say, the Levitical laws. And and the Old Testament and the New Testament is just filled with uh, admonish, admonishments from God about not uh, doing those things. They're considered occultic and forbidden uh, practices, uh, and God punished his people for being involved in it. So why does this Stanford Research uh, Institute guru, and, and you correctly assessed, Doug, uh, that he had a very close relationship with the CIA, as did the Dulles brothers, um, because this this whole uh, operation uh, did not begin in the United States of America. It began to coalesce at the end of World War II with the Dulles brothers, who were hired by Rockefeller. Uh, one Dulles brother was uh, given the assignment of establishing the CIA, and the other Dulles brother uh, was given the assignment of and given hundreds of millions of dollars by Rockefeller. The other Dulles brother was given the assignment of penetrating the evangelical church, evangelical seminaries, denominations, and persuading them to accept the gospel of globalism and humanism. And so back then, and this was this occurred. Uh, it first began to occur uh, before the end of World War II. It began to occur uh, when they attempted the first trial run of global government, which was the League of Nations. But back then, 
the majority of evangelical Christian pastors, or at least a sizable percentage, uh, regularly taught their people Bible prophecy. And so the average Christian was aware of the prophetic scriptures, and they were uh, resistant to a one-world government because they knew that the book of Revelation warned against it. And so he hired Rockefeller, financed and bankrolled one of the Dulles brothers, and they spent millions of dollars flying uh, influential pastors in, holding symposiums, uh, financing entire schools of theology, and they they recognized, Rockefeller and the Dulles brothers recognized that the reason the League of Nations, the first trial run at a global government, didn't work was there was too high of a percentage of evangelical Christians who knew Bible prophecy, and they were on the red alert against global government and a one-world religion and a one-world economic system. Now, times have changed, and that is no longer the case. We now have heads of seeker-friendly movements and denominations and churches that are partnering with the Council on Foreign Relations, financed by Rockefeller and the United Nations. And as both of you gentlemen know, uh, the United Nations exists for the primary purpose of establishing a one-world socialist government, uh, a one-world uh, economic system, and a one-world religion. And so in my book, The Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, I, I grapple with with I consider the mother load, and that is that the United Nations, uh, the people that attempted to form the League of Nations, the Sustainable Development Movement, the uh, Agenda 21 Movement that the, the Pope is promoting, uh, this globalist movement, this environmental movement, it is designed to bring in uh, what the Bible predicts as the one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system in the last days. And it is deliberately Luciferian in nature. Now, I know that shocks a lot of people when I say it, but I document it in my book, and we document it in the book, The Babylon Code. Madame Blavatsky, the Russian occult teacher, uh, who influenced Hitler, who influenced so many people, was an avowed Satanist. Uh, she had books that she wrote uh, telling people to worship uh, Satan and to worship Lucifer. And her disciple, uh, Alice Bailey, uh, set up on the grounds of the United Nations, financed by Rockefeller, an organization called, it was originally called Lucifer Publishing. And then there was such a public outcry that they changed it to Lucis Trust. But Rockefeller and Bailey and these uh, Satanists and Luciferians had a school on the grounds of the United Nations to indoctrinate world leaders and uh, global community activists in uh, the Luciferian plan uh, for the externalization of the hierarchy, uh, which is a satanic rule uh, on planet Earth. So uh, this is a, a very intricate web um, and my 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 concern is I, is you know I my goal is I'm not trying to frighten people or scare people I'm trying to educate especially Christian leaders and pastors and the average Christian because so many of them you know are just grabbing onto these church growth uh, uh, movement ideas and they are either uneducated or unaware but they have allowed themselves to become pawns, literally, in a Luciferian game plan 
um, and they don't realize it. And you can't have revival. You can't have a great awakening. You can't have uh, marriage in the family, and you can't have any hope of any kind of restoration or revival in America as long as the, the very hub of the wheel of so-called biblical Christianity is embracing and incorporating Luciferian ideas. Exactly correct. You know, you know, as I as I listen to you, as we listen to you, I mean, you just covered a lot of ground here. And and folks, I mean, think about the think think about the um, infrastructure that has been created. I, I don't know how else to describe yeah. this. And you mentioned Lucius Trust, uh, formerly yeah. Lucifer Trust, and the writings of Bailey and Blavatsky. They have not gone away. Um, the writings from the Ivy League schools and uh, about other th- theories from transhumanism to spiritual alchemy uh, continue to be written under the banner of Lucius Trust. I would urge folks to do research into that. I'm actually doing research into what they call the uh, electronic bridge, the electric bridge, building a carbon temple. And they use Blavatsky writings and, and uh, Crowley writings in their uh, footnotes. And, and But they what they do is they talk about how they can use magnetism and electronic, or uh, the electric universe that we have to change the temple or bodies for spirits. Yep. Yep. And this is, I mean, people are, are building off of Blavatsky's old work. This is stuff that's being released, uh, you know, this decade. So this is not, I mean, and this ties into CERN from what I can tell. I just found this, you know, the, in the last week, this electric bridge theory that they have up on their site. Uh, it's a term theory, but it's more of a, it's not a theory, it's a practice. Uh, correct. Uh, or it's a template for, you know, yeah. Um, folks, we're talking about Paul McGuire. I just want to mention this too. Paul McGuire is going to have a, uh, a, a prayer meeting on May 26th, 7 p.m., Paradise Mountain Church. This prayer meeting at the Garland Hotel. Please go to paulmcguire.us. Yeah, all and, the details and, are there. Yeah. It's a, a prophecy. Um, an intercessory prayer meeting with Paul McGuire, May 26, 7 p.m. at the Garland Hotel, 4222 Vineland Avenue, North Hollywood, California. Yeah, and free registration. If you're within a day's drive of that location, please attend. If, I'll tell you, Paul, if, I really wish uh, we, we were neighbors. I, I'd be over at your house all the time, or your office and church all the time, because it's it just uh, uh, so much information. And folks, folks, catch Paul tonight, Caravan to Midnight. Don't forget, Caravan to Midnight, right after this program. Uh, Paul McGuire is going to be appearing on uh, with JB on uh, JB Wells and Caravan to Midnight. Uh, so you've got you mean, extra, yeah, some extra time with Paul McGuire. But, but going back to what you're saying, you're talking about really an infrastructure of, uh, well, all of what we saw in the 20th century with respect to the, the infiltration into all of our so- social realms. Yeah, look at 100 years ago, the church 100 years ago versus yeah, today. Yeah, I mean, you can't right. tell me that that change just happened due to the world and, uh, you know, the reaction of the church congregations and pastors to the world. There obviously had been some subversion, some uh, usurpation, and people... You know, claiming to be one thing, coming into the church, whether in 
leaders in the congregation or leaders in the leadership of the church and have totally gutted the the church of its uh, doctrinal teachings and moved away from the the gospels and into um, uh, you know lukewarm apathetic and misleading uh, Doctrine. It, it just shows the depth of to which we've been captured already, and, and you get into that in your book, uh, uh, Babylon Code. My goodness, that's a, a fantastic book, um, as well as a prophecy of the future of America, the first one. But uh, I, I'm so excited for the uh, the new book, uh, your new book, the uh, coming here. You said June fifteenth. Is that when it's going to be officially released? Uh, it's going to go. It, it, it'll be if people pre-order it, they get it before everybody else. And you can pre-order just the book, or you can pre-order the book and a four DVD set. And right. it, you will get yours mailed out to you before the general public. So, like when people pre-order, uh, from the time they pre-order, their name is put on a list. There, uh, there's a package with their name and address on it. And the minute it gets gets back from the publisher, they'll get it instantly. And the only, and I apologize for being a little bit slow. I normally am. But as an author, and I know you understand this, Doug, yourself, when there's so so much information coming down the pike, you know, just and it's, mm-hmm. and I I just couldn't I I could have rushed to, to to publish it, but I felt I needed to incorporate just in the last month I, so much stuff that I wanted to incorporate, or, or I felt I would be doing a disservice. And the the one thing. Um, there's, there's a couple of things. You know, we're having this prophecy and intercessory prayer meeting with Paradise Mountain Church. It's free, May 26th uh, at 7 p.m. at the Garland Hotel, and they can get info for at it at paulmcguire.us. It's, it, they have to register, though. We're also going to be taping. I'll be ministering to the people, praying over anybody who wants prayer. I'll be praying for them personally if they choose to want prayer. If they don't, that's fine. I don't believe in pushing it on somebody. Um, but also, we're going to be recording four 40-minute teaching segments, and uh, people can stay as long as they want. But those are the DVDs we'll be using um, that will go with the book. Um, of course, there'll be editions edited on. So, so people will be able to watch the four DVDs if they come out to the meeting uh, for free, um, and that's something they should take advantage of. The other thing is the Lord really um, has been continually dealing with my heart um, in, in an ever-increasing manner over the last couple of years and months. And the more I talk about the heavy stuff, which we've covered some of tonight, um, the more I feel a burden from the Lord to uh, pray for people and minister uh, to them in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we pray for a great awakening and a biblical revival at, at, at these meetings. It's one of the key things that we do. But we also pray for people. I, I pray for people. And the Lord, you know... Uh, uh, convicted me because I used to pray for people all the time, and then I kind of backed off and just gave the message and just led the people in a group prayer. But I found that people were driving to come to the meeting, you know, sometimes six, seven hours or whatever, and they had, you know, pressing needs. And so I believe um, that the kingdom of God is not matter uh, just it's not just a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power. And so. We pray, we, we pray before the meeting, 
and uh, I will pray for people briefly, but the power of the Holy Spirit uh, will move. Uh, the idea is not to create a crazy atmosphere. That's not, not that's not the point. But the point is to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to break bondages, to set people free, to minister to people, and to de- and, and to deliver people. And when I was writing this new book, um, I'm into the writing, you know. And then day after day, I kept sensing the Lord's. Uh, telling me you need to talk about uh, the financial system, you need to talk about economics and spirituality, and you need to teach my people how they can um, realize uh, God's supernatural supply. So there, you know, people that have done excellent works dealing with prepping and and all kinds of things, but in my book, I talk about the supernatural element of economics both from the standpoint of the occult principle that money is a magical instrument uh, and and alchemical magic, and I really want people to understand what that means because you can't understand our monetary system or the Federal Reserve unless you understand that. And then the other thing is, you know, uh, Jesus and the Bible... I don't know what the percentage is, but the the, the amount of truths and teachings and scriptures that have to do with economics and money is an overwhelming percentage of the Bible. And one of the things that God wants his people to know is that, you know, when Adam and Eve uh, chose to... Adam and Eve were in paradise. They had all their needs met. They lived as kings and queens of planet Earth. And uh, they were happy and joyous, but they disobeyed God, and they rejected the Word of God and ate from the tree in the middle of the garden, which God said you can't eat from. And when they did that, they activated the law of sin and death, and the fall of man occurred. And then Adam and Eve stood before God naked and ashamed, and their spirits and their and their bodies began dying, and they lost the spiritual power and authority that God gave them to rule planet Earth. When that happened, <clears throat> a business transaction occurred, and uh, Lucifer, who had inhabited a uh, upright reptilian be- uh, being, the serpent of old, he seduced Adam and Eve by promising them that they would be as gods. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, um, Lucifer legally became the temporary God of this world, or the world system, or the system of mammon. And um, as such, Lucifer has the temporary legal authority to run uh, geopolitics, uh, the economic system, uh, media, and every other sphere of power on planet Earth. Now, why that's important to understand, I'm sorry if you need to interrupt me. We're coming up against the break. Man, I'll tell you, this is right down, I mean, this is topic specific. Paul, I mean, hold that thought because we need to carry this over. Uh, after the uh, network break here, but but you're hitting on some extremely critical points, um, kind of a, a, a the cherry on top of the week's Sunday, if you will, that we had this week, right on target. Folks, stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 
or look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this hour of the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Our special guest, Mr. Paul McGuire, a good friend of the program, good friend, uh, just an amazing writer, an amazing speaker. Uh, he's a professor of eschatology. His books include The Babylon Code, Mass Awakening, Standing Down Goliath, A Prophecy of the Future of America, and David Dollard. Oh, yes, yes. One of my favorites. And, and I cannot get enough personally of his writings. Very informative, and he's got a very talent. I mean, he's very talented in terms of his ability to convey information. And, and now coming out, please pre-order A Prophecy of the Future of America. America 2016-2017. Pre-order that now. Be one of the first to get it because the information contained in in his latest work is really, to me, will be the culmination of the, the previous books, but a standalone from the previous books as well. This is kind of tying everything together. And while we're on the subject of Paul McGuire, Folks, visit paulmcguire.us for all of his articles, for all of the information related to his, his books and, and, and such. But also, mark your calendars for May 26th, 2016, right? Two weeks. It's uh, actually uh, two weeks from yesterday. May 26th. If you're anywhere within a day's drive of Beverly Hills, the Garland uh, Hotel, on Vinland Avenue, North Hollywood, California. If you're within a day's drive, I really recommend your attendance at the Prophecy and Intercessory Prayer Meeting with Paul McGuire, sponsored by Paradise Mountain Church at 7 p.m. You've got to register. Parking is free. But go to paulmcguire.us, and where it says click here to register today, please do that. Please attend. I've I've gotten so many emails. We have, both Joe and I have gotten so many emails from people who attended and said, really a life-changing event, um, life-changing, uh, life-altering, very spiritually powerful. And that's Paul McGuire. And if you've ever listened to Paul McGuire in person, you know it's powerful. 
Um, I didn't, I didn't want to drown, uh, go on with that, but I just, I cannot stress that enough. It's, it's really, if, if, if I was within a day's drive, I'd be there and I'd, I'd be at every one of those because they're just powerful. Um, so we're lucky to have Paul McGuire on with us right now. And of course, catch Paul McGuire tonight at 11 o'clock in Caravan at Midnight. Go ahead, Joe. Well, we're talking about the book, Paul. I've got a question. Uh, will there be an audio book option for this latest book? Uh, yeah, there's going to be audiobook options for all of the books. There, There is one for the Babylon Code, but we're, we're gearing into doing uh, audio options because I'm getting a lot of people who want that. So, yeah, it, it, that will happen. But there will also be four DVDs uh, if they want to get that, too. But, yeah, we're, we're moving towards the audio option. We're, we're in, the, in the middle of, uh, not middle, we just launched uh, a Roku channel, the Paul McGuire Report, and uh, we're completing our, our TV studio, and we want to live stream our church meetings so people you know across the country and the world who can't physically drive uh, will be able to watch it live streaming, let's say, on YouTube or whatever, so we're getting the rest of the equipment we need for that. And the one thing I want to say about the, the meeting coming up, uh, it's free. Um, we do ask that you register, but if you're going to park on the hotel grounds, the hotel will charge you uh, a parking fee. And if you want to not pay the parking fee, then you just be prepared to park like two blocks away and, and walk, because I don't I don't want anyone to be to, to be surprised. Or if you buy a lunch or something, then they waive the parking thing. But it's very hard to get parking in L.A., so that's the, the best we could do. But it's a good it's a good thing to come to, and and you know. Um, we pray uh, beforehand, and the Lord has been honoring these uh, prayers for America and for our nation. And um, we're, you know, I don't, um, I don't have a ministry where I promote, let's say, physical healing or whatever. I mean, I believe in physical healing, but I don't go out of my way to promote these things. But God has been uh, performing miracles, physical healing. People being delivered from things, financial miracles, uh, sp- speaking to people with their careers, their uh, m- marriages. He's been moving miraculously, and um, I think that's because we've been uh, really seeking him, which uh, brings me back to one of the principles in uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. There's a lot in the book that not only unmasks the the financial uh, system in America and the world, but um, I talk about principles. Uh, and let, let's go back to uh, Satan being the temporary uh, god of this world, and he's in okay. charge of the monetary system. So we know that Satan is the father of lies, um, and Satan's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. Jesus, of course, is the way, the truth, and the life. So when Satan assumed command uh, as the temporary god of this world, <clears throat> he maintains his authority over the economic system, the political system, and the media and the culture and other systems, always through lies, always through lies. And and people believe the lies because they don't read his word, so they reject the word and they believe his lies. Um, let's talk about for a moment um, this this powerful uh, scriptural principle. God says in His Word, "Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added to you." 
Now, people come to me all the time and they want counseling and they want me to pray for them, and I'm, I'm happy to do it as I can. But inevitably, I've noticed from counseling and talking with people after decades of ministry, um, a lot of people want uh, quick fix formulas <clears throat> to financial problems or career problems and, and things like that. Um, I, I believe people should be prepared, by the way. I think that's prudent. Um, and those are the practical things we can do. And people need to invest properly and diversify, etc. But if they just scramble and do that and ignore the over, one of the overarching principles, which is seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you, they will not see the blessing of God in the other financial or provisional areas of their life. So, for example, um, if you are just obsessed with uh, storing away money or prepping or uh, uh, writing out checks to a ministry that really isn't doing what God wants them to do, it really isn't preaching the gospel, you're just writing out checks because of, you know, it's a good uh, Christian social club and you feel comfortable there, um, God doesn't bless that. So what God says is if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, if you seek his kingdom first, if you seek him first, that all these things will be added to you. So what God is saying is that if any one of us will seek first the kingdom of God, and that's not all that complicated a procedure, we just start talking to God and then we start listening to God, God says all these things will be added unto us. What that means is that God will pour out his supernatural blessing. And that means God will give us divine guidance and wisdom on where to invest or where not to invest or whether to buy gold or silver or what to do in terms of prepping or, or where to live physically uh, or, or give us a dream or a warning. Uh, God supernaturally begins to bless his people, and he supernaturally provides for his people. He, he, he'll multiply your investments and your efforts. You'll find yourself, uh, assuming you're doing your job diligently, you'll find yourself having favor at work and, and promotion and a platform. Uh, but again, none of this, a lot of people are scrambling after all these specific things. They're scrambling after the better position. They're scrambling after the promotion. Uh, they're scrambling after this and that with everything in them. All their energy and time and talent is is thrown into pursuing, let's say, being promoted or, or getting uh, a better office and a bigger paycheck or a better position or whatever. But if they do that, what they're doing is they're neglecting seeking first the kingdom of God, and therefore the blessing of God is not on what they're doing. So if they were to make a, a slight change in, in, in their uh, spiritual uh, syncing up with God, and if they were to seek first the kingdom of God, and I, I live by this principle, I live by it. I say to myself, what does God want me to write? What does God want me to minister on? What does God want me to speak about? And then I endeavor to do what the Lord tells me to do. Now, 
when I do that, I see his supernatural blessing. I see his supernatural provision. I see him opening doors. I see him watching my back supernaturally. I see him giving me favor. All these things are added to me. It doesn't mean I don't have trials and temptations and adversity. Of course I do. But if we will will seek first the kingdom of heaven, we can experience the supernatural blessing of God in terms of provision and guidance and uh, uh, multiplication of assets and protection and so on and so forth. So these are some of the things that I deal with in the book because Satan is the temporary God of this world. And the reality is that uh, there are a lot of people who are following uh, the ways of, of, of Lucifer or Luciferian principles for wealth and success and promotion. And, and they work to, to whatever degree, limited degree. But God's people, it, you're not going to be able to compete with Lucifer in Lucifer's territory using Lucifer's methods and expect to win. It's not going to happen. You have to use God's supernatural kingdom principles. And if you do, uh, you will find that God will supernaturally bless you. He'll prosper you. doesn't mean you won't have problems, but you can see the supernatural power of God at work in your life. And I believe God is essential that God's people grab this because we're entering a time period where we're not going to be able to rely on uh, traditional uh, means. In other words, if government is our source, capital S, or our job is our source, capital S, well, let's say government fails or our job disappears or whatever, if we haven't learned to seek first the kingdom of God, we will never be able to access God's supernatural divine supply. And let me quickly give you another illustration. Jesus is ministering, and I include this in the book, and it's applicable to every one of us. Jesus is ministering to 5,000 people, his disciples. He has a little bit of bread and a couple of fishes. There's no way in the world that the 5,000 people that are gathered to hear him minister are going to be fed by a little bit of bread and a couple of fishes. It, it, there's no way. They're going, to, they're going to run away or whatever. And his disciples are freaking out because their disciples are using purely their human perception and natural perception. And they come up with the obvious conclusion is we got 5,000 people and a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread they're not going to get fed. That's the obvious human conclusion. But Jesus did not look at the problem through the grid of human understanding. He looked to his Father as his source. He looked to heaven. He prayed. He blessed the food. He thanked God for it. And then God literally supernaturally multiplied the loaves and the fishes that, so that there was so, there was so much fish and so much bread that that five thousand people had plenty of food, and that principle, every single person listening to your program can use that principle in any area of their life, um, and it's that's not supposed to be some extraordinary thing. That's supposed to be. Uh, a normative experience for anybody who's truly supernaturally walking with Jesus Christ. And it's only by supernaturally walking with Jesus Christ that we can overcome the temporary God of this world. And I think you make an important distinction here. Um, going back to what you said, we are playing on Lucifer. I mean, we don't have the home field advantage when it comes to 
right venue uh, lucifer we're playing in, in on lucifer's uh field here now having right. said that okay and, and this this is a question that, that we often get or a topic that we often uh, broach here um we what you had just said too about the blessings being multiplied through the loaves and fishes and sufficiency um and not relying on on the state as your capitalist source and such as the end time approaches here or as the as this new world order begins to coalesce and we see the squeeze being put on a, on on the entire world but in particular people here in America or anyone listening to this in the west you're saying you're saying that we can we can survive uh i i think right uh, we we can survive what's coming if we if we use our intellect and kind of our prowess and understand the times and, and we we can kind of stay ahead a little bit of um the mark of the beast technology and and is that i i'm trying to make sense of this or or be as articulate as possible here um as, as we're as we're being thrown into this this system this beast system we can um through prayer and through um spiritual prowess at this point we can perhaps survive the system right i mean that's what you're saying well yeah i'm i'm saying it um um that's yeah that's pretty much what i'm saying but i want to add some slight modifications and and one would be um as we walk with God supernaturally, which simply me- means that that what does God want from us more than anything else? He wants a relationship with us. So that starts with us receiving him as our personal Lord and Savior and becoming born again. And then he wants to walk with us like he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And we talk to him and he talks to us. And we always have to remember that God is love. I mean, God is righteous and God is holy, but God is love. And and God desires to have uh, a relationship with us, and He wants to bless us. And we ha- and th- th- those things are kind of like foundational, but it's amazing how people forget them. Um, God is a loving heavenly Father, and that's the way He describes Himself: a loving heavenly Father. Jesus Christ made a point of saying that we will be His friends. So Jesus is not only our our Lord; uh, we're the friends of Jesus. Jesus also taught us that we're to love one another, and by this all men will know that we're his disciples. So there's no um, ultra-simplistic formula, and I think it's very dangerous to try to adopt an ultra-simplistic formula. When I say, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you, that's not a simplistic formula, that's a principle. But... God may supply your needs through government. Uh, you may be entitled to a pension. You, you may need, for whatever period of time, uh, a Social Security check or whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with um, uh, benefiting from that, especially if you've worked your tail off and, and, and paid into it. So the, the point is is that there's no situation in this in the last days which we're in where it's static where it's frozen we're in a constantly changing dynamic situation 
which the way we deal and relate to our reality is continually changing week by week, and it's, it's, it's happening very quickly. So the key is not learning um, uh, one set of skills or one formula for doing something. The key is to to uh, walk in an ever-changing, dynamic relationship with God where he's communicating to us and we're communicating to him. In that process, God will supernaturally lead us and guide us. He'll speak to us through the still small voice. He'll speak to us through his word. He'll speak to us through other people. He may speak to us in visions and dreams. But if we're if we're endeavoring to seek God first, he will speak to us and he'll give us warnings and he'll say, you know, this is the way you walk ye in it or you'll get this impression, you know, if you're seeking the Lord, let's say you're looking for a job or whatever, and this has happened to me in my life and people's lives that I know. Um, I I remember numerous times in my life um, because I've always had a a strange career path. I mean, anything from being unemployed to being executive producer in a feature film. I mean, you you just don't know what's going to happen from day to day. And so I remember... Um, I remember waking up, and uh, I was—I uh, had pitched a, a film deal for a feature film, and uh, months were going by, and nothing happened, and it was just a bunch of talking, and my bank account was dwindling down to nothing, and part of me was like getting, you know, freaked out because this feature film deal wasn't coming together. And I believe God wanted me to uh, uh, be, be produce this film. So I was invited over to this uh, prayer meeting with a bunch of uh, Christian businessmen. And the Christian businessman who was leading the meeting, he led us in a time of communion and worshiping the Lord in prayer. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because... I didn't run home, there's a place for this, and make a hundred more phone calls trying to get the door open. I was seeking first the kingdom of God. you got to do both. So I was gathering together, seeking the Lord, taking communion, worshiping the Lord. And I remember the man uh, telling us that uh, after we take communion that we should pray specifically as the Lord was leading us for for what we felt God was directing us to pray for. And so I felt very strongly by praying with my wife that I, I felt led by the Lord that I was to pray that all the obstacles would be removed regarding this film deal. And so I felt an unction from the Holy Spirit. I felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit to do that. And I prayed, and then we went to bed and, and uh, you know, went to sleep, and then woke up the next day, and then mysteriously, out of nowhere, I got a phone call from the company and the feature film project that would, had been frozen for like seven months unthawed. And the next thing I knew, I was executive producing a feature film. Now, I know for a fact that that happened not just because of my diligence or making phone calls or making a proposal. Ultimately, that deal came together because the hand of God supernaturally moved in my situation. And I also felt that prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit uh, where he wanted to guide me. And this has happened countless times. Where you get this 
supernatural inner knowing that you need to call this person or you need to uh, pursue this thing. And if you're listening and you follow it, you find that uh, God is very busy opening doors for you and, and helping you. And and that's a, a super that comes out of a supernatural relationship with God. And so if we if we separate ourselves from that, then we're just struggling in the mud pit with everybody else. But if we're bothering to walk with God and listen to God, God will make a way where there is no way. And we can be. It's it's, it's not like we get a red carpet treatment, but God watches our back. And you know, he you know he said to his his followers, "I didn't leave you in this world as orphans. I didn't dump you in the world as orphans. I gave you the the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're not orphans." And so, every person who has accepted Christ in their lives has the Holy Spirit living inside them. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit guides us in business as well as relationships and theology. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit counsels us. Now, that's an asset that you're never going to get at a Tony Robbins motivational meeting or a business seminar. Walking in a supernatural relationship with God and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You have supernatural resources, so you need to take advantage of them. How many people, we don't hear really at all people talking about the very thing you're talking about and it's interesting how you really prefaced what you said or, or bracketed what you said with respect to your own personal experience where um and we found this to be the case here as well you know we we if if we set out to do something we and we are running into resistance we have to go back and we have to pray about it we have to pray very specifically about it and not try to do this on our own or push forward in a manner that is more um, earthly than spiritual, I suppose. I, I don't know how, how else to describe mm-hmm. that, you know. So, yeah, you're exactly right. And, and uh, it's this kind of behavior, if you will, is more important to me today, I think. Um, and I can see the importance and the effectiveness and, and the need for this because sometimes God tweaks our plans a little bit. You know, um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, he tweaks our plans. You know, uh, the steps of a man. Uh, a man may uh, plan his steps, but uh, I'm paraphrasing. But the the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So we may plan our way and commit our way to the Lord, but He may change things. He may shut one door and open a door. It's it's like you know. Um, um, some people think, well, God this told me that this girl's going to marry me, or God told me that this guy's going to marry me, or whatever. But if the other person isn't interested, then you didn't hear from God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, it's wishful thinking. And then there's other times when it comes to jobs or employment or business deals or whatever, where we feel a check in our spirit. Our spirit. We feel that something isn't right or we feel a discernment that, that we need to back off and, and reevaluate. But sometimes in our zeal to, to press on and make things happen, we'll ignore the voice of the Lord, and the next thing we know, we're involved in a business deal with somebody that it doesn't turn out right. And if we are honest with ourselves, the Lord was warning us, but we just chose not to, to heed the warning. And this well, is how true. God... Yeah, this is how God supernaturally will supply for his people 
in the last days. The other thing is I write about in the book, A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, is a non, what I call a non-biblical pessimism. Um, you know, we're, we're in a very intense time in the United States, the most intense time we've ever been, we've ever been in. The global economy is uh, very fragile. The national economy is very fragile. And then we look at the middle class, and I talk a lot about the middle class and economics in the book. I talk about the fact that, you know, essentially the outsourcing uh, has drained uh, good-paying middle-class jobs out of the country. And, you know, I just walk around my neighborhood, and I can watch all the bull on the news media I want, but I see major retailers, national chains, closing all, all over the place. And so that I, I can just visually see the fact that our economy is not good. Um, so the other thing is, is that um, not only are people making less money, but the money that they actually make has less buying power because um, the, the the dollar is in, inflated, and these are real inverse factors uh, towards hardworking middle class people. But now, here's where we have to do kind of like a reality check uh, on ourselves. Yeah, okay, maybe some liberal politicians or crooked politicians or whatever sign trade treaties, uh, they, they, they outsource the jobs, they moved manufacturing overseas, and I give all kinds of data about this. But let's be honest, if we as individuals this whole time were truly seeking the Lord as our source, capital S, and not just going around on cruise control and falsely assuming that the good times would never end, which is basically what most of the middle class did. It became narcissistic, it became materialistic, it became indulgent, it stopped listening to God. Um, and I mean, there are exceptions, but that's basically what the middle class did. So now the chickens have come home to roost and, and we're facing some very severe problems. But we need to be honest with ourselves and say, hey, we really weren't listening to God because God was warning us. So fortunately, God is loving and God uh, is forgiving. And just because we blew it in the past doesn't mean God won't give us a second or third or a fourth chance. So if we'll seek the Lord um, and we'll look to him as our source, capital S, we can reject what I call this non-biblical pessimism. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, uh, euphoria or utopia uh, and, you know, America becoming some kind of Disneyland in the next five years. But we're looking at catastrophic events, but God can and wants to supernaturally intervene in the geopolitics, in the economy, and we have to stop limiting what we believe God can and cannot do based on our finite minds analysis. And, and let me and let me give you a case in point in that we all the time uh, subconsciously we make decisions about what God can and cannot do with the economy or with our lives and all kinds of things. So we limit God. We put God in a box of our own making. But the one thing that the Bible teaches us from Genesis to Revelation, and that is whenever his people turned towards him, first in repentance, 
confession of sin and began to, to seek his face with all their heart, heart, soul, and mind, God always, if that repentance and seeking his face was sincere, God always would supernaturally intervene on behalf of his people. So there are people listening to your program right now, and they're listening to us talk. And I believe that as they listen to us talk, the Holy Spirit is um, ministering uh, to them through the conversation, and the Holy Spirit is attempting to speak to them because there are people listening who have allowed themselves to enter a state of hopelessness and despair and pessimism. And they falsely have concluded that there's no way out for their lives, or they have falsely concluded uh, that things can't really get better, or that God can't really do something powerful and dynamic and good in their lives. And they falsely uh, have concluded, based on an improper understanding of the Word of God, that somehow they deserve... Uh, to be punished and to have to etch out an impoverished existence. And that's not what God's Word says. Uh, the, the Lord is speaking to countless numbers of people listening to your program right now, and the Holy Spirit is very clearly communicating to them that they need to raise the level of their expectation as to what God and can God can and cannot do. And I'm going to take it further than that. There are people listening that have come to a false conclusion that God cannot do certain good things in their lives and the lives of their family members, that, that they're kind of stuck in at this particular level. And it's a false conclusion, but they're absolutely convinced that they're theologically right. And so, in a sense, they're damning themselves to a very uh, bleak uh, future. And I just want to challenge those people that have come to what I consider a false conclusion about reality in light of who God is. You don't, and I don't have the right to define with our finite human minds, what God can and cannot do. You know, the Word of God says all things are possible with God. God says, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Uh, God is not pleased when a man or a woman, uh, under the guise of being spiritual or under the guise of being humble, uh, in actuality has a uh, inner heart of unbelief and they are blocking themselves off from the blessings of God. They're blocking themselves off from God's supernatural provision. They're blocking themselves off from God really using them in dynamic and powerful ways because they've erected an idol, just like the children of Israel uh, built a golden calf and had an orgy and a party around a golden calf. It's also possible for well-meaning Christians today to erect an idol of God rather than worshiping God. And that idol of God may not be composed of gold, but it's composed of a collection or an assemblage of false ideas, which essentially says your life is doomed to a level of subsistence, poverty, failure, 
misery, and there's not much you're going to do that's going to change things. And that's the idol. That that series of thoughts that I just outlined is an idol that people have constructed. And I'm just sharing with you as your brother in Christ, as I'm talking to Doug and Joe Hagman on their radio program, I want to suggest to you that you may think you're doing the right thing, but you have inadvertently constructed an idol uh, of who God is rather than worshiping who God is. And therefore, you're damning your life because you're worshiping an idol. And God wants you to take a hammer, uh, the hammer of his word and the sword of truth, and cut down the idol you've erected in your heart and mind and worship the true God. And how do you know who the true God is? Well, the true God is the God that is defined or defines himself by his word. So if you're attempting to define God uh, through a kind of self-imposed theological cruelty or masochism, that's destructive and satanic idolatry. In the same way in India, they have the, the caste system or the caste system where people are, are told from birth that they're of the lower caste or class and they can't possibly uh, achieve a higher level of wealth or prosperity or education. So they literally walk around as subhumans because their theological belief system has told them that that's their lot in life. Well, we can look at the Indians suffering under the caste system or caste system and have pity on them. But there are Christians in America who have placed themselves in in, in evangelical caste system where they've embraced the idol of non-biblical pessimism and they worship the idol that's damning them. And that's Luciferian and ultimately it is spiritual deception because Jesus Christ said the contrary. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, not only spiritually but economically. And Paul, I like the way you have you you frame this because in your books, um, in particular, Mass Awakening and and uh, Prophecy of the Future of America, you address this. Uh, the language in which we are really being forced to change. I mean, our language is being molded by the by the Tavistock Institute, and I, and I often. Right. You know, yeah, I, I make reference to this Tavistockian, Tavistockian, um, changing, you know, for example, Twitter limiting us to 140 characters. The Tavistock model of, of, uh, mind control and of programming where, uh, words, the meaning of words have been changed. So this is right out of the pits of hell. And we have to recognize the fact that we are being held hostage. In some ways, by um, uh, by the language that we're using, or I don't want to say being forced to use, but being urged to use, and and so all of this works together like cogs in this big Luciferian machine. So this is all. I mean, this is now it's coming together, and I think um, it's so important for people to realize how we are being gamed, manipulated and pushed toward this non-biblical pessimism, as you call it, because it was never meant to be, um, in my view at least, and, and yours too, we were never meant to be fatalistic in our approach to, to anything, despite how dark dark it might get. Well, you're right, and this, this whole um, you know, the scientific dictatorship or the technocratic elite that Aldous Huxley uh, coined the expression, and Aldous Huxley wrote Brave New World, 
and in his dark utopia in Brave New World, it's a DNA genetic dictatorship where people are genetically bred to be like a slave class, a worker class, uh, a mid-level manager class, and then finally an elite class, and people can't transcend their DNA because they've been genetically engineered to, to operate on a, on a caste system or, or a slave system and alpha, beta, theta, delta classes of people. And this was Huxley's um, uh, uh, theory, and, he, and this is what um, they have brought about with the scientific dictatorship. So what's going on behind the scenes right now is that people, individuals, are being genetically uh, rewired through the science of eugenics. And while on one hand you have the smiling, happy face telling you, you know, you can do anything you want with your life if you have a good attitude or whatever, in reality people are being genetically bred for a particular slave position in life. Um, on, on another hand, um, through public education and things like Common Core, uh, people are being programmed to be stupid and slaves, or they're programmed for a mid-level position, and some are programmed for an elite position. So Huxley wrote about this, H.G. Wells wrote about this, Bertrand Russell wrote about this, Brzezinski wrote about this, and this is the brave new world that we're entering. And public education and the media and drugs program human consciousness and like you were talking about vocabulary programs human consciousness so people are being brainwashed to think inside a very small box and when they're uh, made stupid by thinking in a small box then they become slaves because in order to have a good slave you have to keep the slave dumb and occupy the slave with you know sex drugs virtual world sex <laughs> you know virtual world sex is is not about sexual pleasure it's about slavery it's about people sitting in ghetto apartments smoking crack cocaine and putting on a pair of goggles and having a virtual sexual experience as they live in a tenement with with rats and roaches crawling on the walls uh, it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a cheap man's escape from reality and it's a, a method of totalitarian control now but see god's people are not supposed to be uh uh toiling for Pharaoh uh, and building uh, less uh, bricks with less mud and straw. Uh, God's people weren't created to be the slaves of Pharaoh or the slaves of Babylon uh, or the slaves of a technocratic uh, scientific dictatorship. God's people were not created to be slaves, but when God's people stop reading the Word of God, when they stop reading, when they stop thinking. I mean, everywhere I go, I see young people and adults um, with their cell phones and their earbuds, and they're lost in some world, you know, looking at their Facebook or listening to music. I had to go to the doctor's office the other day, and everybody in the doctor's office was probably 40-plus, and every single one of them had their giant cell phones and their earbuds, and they were lost in a Facebook world. Or I'll walk around the streets of California, and I'll see kids everywhere listening to music zoned out in their own virtual worlds. 
So all these people live in compartmentalized realities, virtual worlds. They can't think. That's why they're going to vote for Bernie Sanders, because um, they can't think uh, a logical sequence of thoughts. I mean, that's why Bernie Sanders is Santa Claus. He, he promises them everything they want, and they're so stupid because they've been dumbed down. They think that it's actually possible for Bernie Sanders to give them everything that they want, and nobody has to pay for it, because their intellectual capacity of thinking out uh, a beginning, middle, and end of, of a Bernie Sanders economic system, they they can't do the math in their heads and figure out that it doesn't work, because if it did work, it would have been done thousands of years ago. So by dumbing down the mass population through media, through social media, and other means, then you can enslave uh, people. But God does not want his people to be slaves. I mean, that's the whole thing. God, Jesus Christ, the slave system comes from Babylon. Uh, it's the Pharaoh God King system. It's the technocratic elite, the scientific dictatorship. And uh, God wants his people free from that. And ultimately, as you were saying earlier, Doug, this is all going to uh, a technological mark of the beast, whether it's through DNA modification, you won't be able to buy or sell. Uh, you you know, all this uh, uh, sales talk about how fabulous the world brain will be or the hive mind. Now, you know, they're selling the world brain and the hive mind as, as like it's some kind of ultimate ecstatic experience. But nothing could be further from the truth. If you're merging your brain like a in a hive mind, you're like one little bee in a hive of thousands of bees. Uh, in the world brain, you 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 lose yourself and individuality, and you merge it into the collective or the state. And notice that all totalitarian regimes require that you sacrifice your identity and your individuality and you become part of the state. In fact, you as an individual cease to matter. The only thing that's important is the state or the collective or the hive mind or the world brain. Now, this is the biggest con job uh, ever uh, put across on the human race because in all these uh, dark utopian societies, these communist dictatorships, where they're having a hive mind or a collective or the state or the world brain, what they neglect to reveal to the dumbed-down masses is that every one of these dark utopian societies has a 1%, has a filthy rich elite that live like kings and queens. And yes, they're, they're going to sucker punch the public by creating a hive mind, a world brain, uh, or a collective, or the state, but they neglect to tell them that there is still going to be a 1% just like the pyramid on the back of the dollar, you have the all-seeing eye of Lucifer, the Luciferian elite. But there's going to be an elite uh, class, a ruling class, a scientific dictatorship at the top of the hive mind or the top of the world brain or at the top of the collective or at the top of the state. And for all these brain-dead morons who think we're going to go into, you know, the world's going to be one, and this great planetary utopia, that's a bunch of BS. There's still going to be a ruling class, and the rest of the people are going to be slaves. 
but people are dumbed down. They can't see the obvious. It's very true, and it, it's a dumbing, the intentional dumbing down. You'd mentioned uh, Bernie Sanders I, I, in in in, the ter- in terms of the uh, socialist um, and socialism. Um, one thing that it, it, I, the other day I was going through, knowing that you were going to be on tonight, I was going through the um, your books almost in well, like in chronological order, the, as you wrote them. And it was kind of interesting as I was putting them on my bookshelf and, and, uh, um, I was, I was looking, skimming through some and, and I could see where you were writing and it was almost as if, uh, Paul, it's like you're a decade ahead or 20 years ahead. Um, because I could see where we're at today. You were talking about 10 years ago at the, at minimum. Um, and I said that just to, just to mention or to ask you about Sanders. What is the, um, and maybe this, this, and I apologize if this is kind of a, a, a very sophomore question or, but what's the attraction to Sanders aside from that mental, hey, we can, you know, we're entitled, and aside from the entitlement, um, deal. Because I, 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 I'm really struggling with this, Paul. I see here's a 79 year old guy, who who looks like Grandpa Munster with his hair. Yeah, and Michael Snyder was you a know. guest of ours last night, and he mentioned how if the election was based on 30 year olds or younger, how Bernie Sanders is winning in a landslide. Yeah, how, how is this even possible? Um, I, I mean, well, I, help me, help I me think, out to understand this. Yeah. I think it's, I think that the reason Bernie Sanders is so successful, and, and this has been said by the media, but, but it's true. One is, he sounds like, and I, I think he really believes what he's saying. So he, he, in a sense, does not have a manufactured synthetic personality. He's speaking from the heart. He, he, he is a raging, uh, communist, socialist. He really believes it. And therefore, when he speaks, he's got fire in his belly and he can, uh, deliver a passive, passionate message. And number two is, he actually deals, um, with a lot of reality, uh, which most of the Republican candidates didn't do. And Hillary certainly doesn't do. He deals with reality. I mean, all these college kids and all these adults have these massive college loans they can't pay off. They don't have jobs. Uh, they don't have medical, uh, uh proper medical care. So, uh, uh, Sanders is tuning in to where people are really hurting and he's, and he's dealing with it. Uh, these kids are, you know, they, they all have these college loans, but they can't find a job. Um, so he's addressing that, and so he resonates and he bonds with a lot of people. Um, I mean, I would find him very compelling if I didn't know the end of the story, and that is even though he connects emotionally with young people and even though he deals with reality, the, the fatal flaw in his message is that his economic theory cannot possibly work. So at the end of the day, you, you can't pay off everybody's college loans and guarantee them great jobs and because because it doesn't work economically and, it, and the system will collapse. We'll end up in a communist slave state, you know, eating a bowl of mush because it doesn't work. It's, it's, it's an economic impossibility, but at least he's dealing with the real issues, whereas Hillary, 
I mean, if you were just a Hollywood screenwriter or a Hollywood director or a Hollywood casting director, Hillary Clinton comes off like the cliche of the manipulative, evil, uh, uh, dishonest, uh, I'll change myself. I mean, she just, her, her, her media presentation, uh, she just radiates insincerity and dishonesty. She's almost a cliche of an evil person. Uh, she has no likability whatsoever. And uh, that's another reason for the Sanders phenomenon. And yet, at the same time, Bernie Sanders addressed far more honestly the issue of trade treaties and many of the other economic issues, even though I don't agree with Sanders' conclusion. At least he understood the problems, which most of the Republicans didn't get at all. So I think that's the, um, uh, the reason for Bernie Sanders. And again, he doesn't come off like a politician. And young people are, star- you know, w- w- there's a whole generation of young people now that, that they got these college degrees and they can't get jobs at, at, and they can't be cops, they can't be firemen. They, 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 you know, hamburger jobs is all they can get after four years of college and a, a huge college loan. Um because the politicians have lied to them and outsourced our manufacturing and outsourced our jobs. So at least Sanders is telling a lot of the truth. Maybe not the whole truth, but a lot of it. And he believes what he says. Interesting. Yeah, and, and I I guess at face I understand that. But, um, wow, it, it is really a poor or stunning reflection of the mentality of a lot of the people here in the United States. I mean, I mean, think about that, Paul. Reagan, what, 30 years ago, uh, versus Sanders today. I mean, talk about a difference in ideological perspective and, and political right. perspective. My goodness, it's, it's crazy. Folks, um, May 26th, two weeks from yesterday, Paradise Mountain Church at, uh, uh, in, well, the, the meeting, um, Prophecy and Intercessory Prayer Meeting with Paul McGuire, May 26, 2016, 7 o'clock p.m. at the Garland Hotel on Vinland Avenue, North Hollywood, California. Boy, register and attend. If you're within a day's drive there, please do so. Uh, go to paulmcguire.us. Right there on top there is, is the registration, free registration. Free Click. registration. Yeah. Parking. Uh, you have to pay for it depending on where you park. That's right. You can park on top of the, you can park on Paul's lawn and walk to the meeting, I think. <laughs> you might, no wait, I think it might be ten bucks for that, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, that's, uh, those prayer meetings are always fantastic. We hear, yeah. uh, back from, uh, listeners of ours who, who go and, you know, chants of American Star Wholesales, been to many of them, uh, John Robertson as well. And we've heard nothing but good things, and, uh, one of these days we will be in attendance. Absolutely. Folks, we'll be right back. We're talking with Paul McGuire for our third and final hour right after this. That's paulmcguire.us. On Stay with us. tonight. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 
hurts people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, folks, to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest tonight, Mr. Paul McGuire, Professor Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us. Folks, please go to paulmcguire.us, go to his website, sign up for the Prophecy, register for the Prophecy and Intercessory Prayer Meeting with Paul McGuire, sponsored by Paradise Mountain Church, for Thursday, May 26, 2016, 7 o'clock p.m. The registration is free. Uh, I'll just warn everyone, get register now because it fills up very quickly. So join Paul at a very special Paradise Mountain Church meeting message on Thursday, May 26th at the Garland Hotel. Okay. And Paul's going to talk about how God can supernaturally provide for people no matter what the economy is like. Go ahead. Yeah, and before we get back to Paul, just a quick announcement. Um, next week... My father and I will be on Pastor Paul Begley's show. Oh, that's right. On yes. Tuesday. Yep, yep. I believe that's the 17th. Yeah, Tuesday the 17th will be on his show. And um, we talked to him, and we are, on July 28th, we are going to be uh, with him. In Indiana. In, in Indiana, Indianapolis, uh, on his TV show. That'll be a lot of fun. And, yeah. and, and folks, and we'll talk about that more yeah. next week with him. And don't forget, um, Pastor David Langford and Steve Quayle on Jim Baker's show. It was yesterday, today, and then Monday and Tuesday again. So mark that. And Amerigeddon the movie, Gary Haven, uh, Mike Norris, just coming out in theaters today. If it's not in your theater, it's likely, unless you're in a large city or one of the selected areas, chances are um, it's you're not going to see Amerigeddon at a theater. Call up your theater and say, look, we, we want... Bring the movie here. And if enough people call, or if you're persistent enough, uh, I was talking with a, a gentleman, uh, a franchise owner of one of the theaters here, um, they can get the movie, you know, in your area. So I'm getting the movie. It's, it's an interesting, very interesting, very good film, actually. And the DVDs that will be coming out, different platforms, I believe, DVDs and other platforms, uh, in October. But it's, it's, it's a, it sends a message, and, and there were there have been threats. Uh, I, make no mistake about it. 
there are officials, polit- politicians, and people in Hollywood that don't want to see that movie broadcast anywhere. That's America in the movie, and, and I had some uh, privileged conversations, if you will, with uh, uh, Mr. Norris and, and Mr. Haven, and the backstory of the threats. Threats are real. I'll just leave it at that. The threats are real. And if you don't believe censorship is in progress right now, it is. There's a lot of things that power elite don't want you to know. And we're seeing that. We're, we're seeing this in play today. And, and, and Paul was talking about this earlier in the broadcast about the censorship. And this is not new. It's just becoming more in your face, more overt. And we need to push back against this. Paul, thanks for holding over. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have sent emails here since you began in this broadcast. What's your take on the political environment? Now, Joe and I are going to be attending um, the RNC in Cleveland, Ohio, in July as well to cover some of the external events we've been told that Black Lives Matter, other groups have booked blocks of rooms in Ohio. Um, outside the convention, there are specific riots. I'll just use that word, riots planned. I mean, demonstrations planned. That's their word, demonstrations. Yeah, protest with paid plans. protesters, Yeah, as they have done in cities throughout the country on the campaign trail of Donald Trump. What's your, what's, what's your, we've talked about this before, but today's analysis of the politi- political uh, environment here. Any thoughts? Uh, where do we go? Well, with you, you, you both um, said it. I mean, you have uh, highly organized, not spontaneous, paid protesters, professional agitators. Uh, highly trained professional agitators who float around the country stirring up violence and uh, wanting to stir up race war conflicts and all kinds of things. And the stuff that was going on at some of the Trump rallies uh, was just so over the top in terms of professional agitators. And you watch them. I would study them on the on the news. And you, you, you know, with with relatively little skill, you can see who the professional agitators are because they know how to um, use their body language. And you'll notice the professional agitator will throw their body language to make it uh, violent, with not without uh, necessarily contacting the other person, but they'll they'll arouse violent body language. Their faces will uh, emanate intense, instantaneous hostility and anger, and they'll begin screaming. But it's not. This is not somebody that's whipped up in an emotional frenzy. This is a trained professional agitator, and like an actor on cue, they can turn on this high voltage emotion because they know the high voltage emotion spreads. And I I would just watch the various professional agitators. act or perform on cue um, um, over and over again. And the the idea is to disrupt the legitimate political process. Uh, As I understand it, there's going to be like a hundred naked women around the RNC convention. I mean, you know, the the naked women thing, this is like uh, 
traveling back in time to the 1970s when they, the women used to be topless at peace demonstrations. And it's like, you know, they know that if you have 100 naked women that the cameras are going to cover it. Uh, it it's, all, it's all to incite violence and to disrupt the process. And, of course, uh, the ultimate goal is to demonize Trump as this this divisive uh, political personality when in actuality he's just a, a political candidate running for office and the, the, the hard left financed with big bucks is creating this uh, violent environment so this is classic 1970s counterculture stuff that Abby Hoffman and the weathermen and all that stuff uh, did and they're still doing and um, unfortunately most of the media doesn't expose it some do but, but most don't in terms of the overall political thing <clears throat> uh, just one thing that uh, two things I want to comment on and 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 my my uh, goal here is not to tell people who to vote for that's not my goal but um, there needs to be people need to raise the level of their um, uh, thinking processes um, and I don't I don't mean this disrespectfully but there are, are a number a sizable number of prominent evangelical Christian leaders whose perception of the political process, in my opinion, reflects a very serious lack of education about what's really going on. And, and again, you know, um, um, when you minimize the moral and spiritual um, connotations of trade treaties, and you uh, focus in on superficial morality, you're, you're, you're missing the, the, the boat. So the trade treaties, uh, which uh, most evangelical leaders don't count as an issue because they're uneducated, uh, the trade treaties will destroy the, the traditional marriage and traditional family and uh, promote drug addiction and sexual immorality and disintegrate society and smash Judeo-Christian culture faster than just about any force. So just from an analytical standpoint, trade treaties uh, destroy uh, Christian culture. Yet yeah, you, you have that, all good. Pe people yeah. are are not going to make the connection when you're talking about okay, trade right. treaties and trade. Uh, they think of that as you know products uh, being sold you know from nations to other nations, and they don't equate how that can uh, a take away uh, jobs from our uh, own country. How b how that can affect families and uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, all the way down to the, everything you listed, they don't they, they don't tie those those things together. The the trade treaties, even NAFTA, um, <clears throat> we saw what devastating is effect NAFTA and GATT had on our uh, right. manufacturing sector, but we're not still even in the mainstream media, obviously doing it on purpose. But people do not understand the dangers of these trade treaties against our culture and, yes. and our Judeo Christian ethic. Yeah, is what. Yes, yes. There's a disconnect. Go ahead. Yeah, well, that, that's a very important point that you raised, Joe, and I thank, thank you for raising it because I I, I forget um, that people don't don't understand uh, why trade treaties 
are dangerous to, to, to Christian culture. So in, in my new book, uh, Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, I talk about it. I explain it. And uh, I'll give some bullet points. Number one is that the reason trade treaties are a direct threat to Christianity and marriage and the family and Christian culture is because uh, trade treaties trade treaties were the mechanism that the globalist elite used in Europe to destroy the sovereign uh, European Christian nations and create this globalist, humanist European Union where the people now have no rights. They have no religious freedoms, they have no freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and they're very, very unhappy, and the consequences of the European trade union or the European Union has been the wide-scale destruction of the traditional family. Um, so trade treaties are used by globalists to uh, uh, destroy Christian culture and uh, create a humanistic globalist culture. Now why the trade treaties are so important to pay attention to is when you have these trade treaties pass and trade treaties cause the middle class to, to work for uh, half of what they used to make 30 years ago. Trade treaties uh, created the outsourcing of decent middle class paying jobs, decent union automobile manufacturing jobs, decent uh, manufacturing jobs all across the board. Uh, they all fled to foreign countries because of cheaper labor. This, this is what trade treaties do. Now, what that does is that smashes the family unit because when you take the middle class family and you, you break its back and you snap its spinal cord by depriving men and women the, the right to uh, uh, provide a decent standard of living to raise their family, you destroy the family unit, you, you encourage sexual promiscuity and drug addiction. I mean, just look at Detroit. That's a living example of, you know, RoboCop in, in, in a ghetto. It destroys uh, American Christian society and, and the family. And it's insidious because it, it's, it's indirect in its destruction. Then you you deliberately have forced migration. And again, I'm not I'm not anti-immigration at all, and I'm not anti-migration uh, uh, of, of a particular racial or ethnic groups. Not that's not the point. But when you flood our nation uh, with migrants that are dependent on socialist government and the redistribution of wealth. And this is what I used to say to Christian leaders all the time on my radio show. I would say, because they would ask the same question, and I would say, look, is it loving to bring in uh, migrants that are dependent upon um, the middle class uh, paying for their health care and the middle class uh, paying for uh, all their services and education, et cetera, so that two people in a middle class family have to work to pay for the uh, all the benefits of uh, uh, immigrants. No, that's not right. Well, what, is that, what, what happens? You now are forcing both the husband and wife to work so the mother doesn't have the choice to stay home and be a mom to the children 
both uh, husband and wife are in the workplace. Oftentimes this leads to affairs and sexual promiscuity simply because they spend more time uh, with members of the opposite sex on the job than they do with their own spouse. And it causes a disintegration of the Christian family. So it's not a direct hit, but it's it's a very destructive indirect hit, and it destroys Christian culture and Christian values. So that's why it's that's why it's dangerous. But people don't understand that because nobody explains it to them, and Christian leaders who should be explaining it to them are uneducated themselves. They don't understand the dynamics I just outlined, and therefore they vote for superficial morality. Oh, this person carries a Bible, or this person blabs on endlessly about the Constitution, or this person talks about uh, prayer in schools, as if that was more spiritual than keeping a family intact. And you can't keep a family intact if you deprive it of the ability for a husband or a wife to generate at least a minimal standard of living so that you can have a family. And so that's why trade treaties are so dangerous. Now, the final and most dangerous part of the trade treaty is this, and I'll try to explain it as simply as I can. I explain it in the Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. As simply as uh, possible is this. When you create a North American Union, which is what what the trade treaties are going to do, a merger of Canada, Mexico, and the United States, which is a model after the merger of Germany and the uh, France and other nations into the European Union. When you create a North American Union, a very sneaky thing happens. You get rid of the U.S. Constitution, the U.S. Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence which are very important documents because they're the only legal documents in human history that protect freedom of religion, freedom of speech, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, freedom of assembly, and so on and so forth. Only the U.S. Constitution, the U.S. Bill of Rights, um, um, have those provisions. So the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, which says things like we have been given certain inalienable rights by our creator, capital uh, C, such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that declares very clearly that our rights are given to us by God and not human government, which can take away rights anytime they choose. Now, that's important because our U.S. Constitution, Declaration of Independence, and Bill of Rights is the the legal foundation upon which Christian America stands. When you remove the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, and you replace it with a sneaky counterfeit, such as the European Union Constitution or the United Nations um, uh, rights, uh, those are sneaky humanistic counterfeits of the Bill of Rights and the U.S. Constitution. And when you compare the, the, the two legal documents, the American Constitution versus the U.N. Constitution or the European Union Constitution, you notice that the European Union Constitution, which is what would happen with the North American Union, and the United Nations Constitution, 
do not protect your Christian liberties, your religious rights, uh, the right to believe in a traditional family, the right to uh, not have gender-neutral bathrooms, the right to worship Jesus Christ and to teach that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So this, this, this second thing that happens with trade treaties is it destroys the American Constitution, Bill of Rights, and Declaration of Independence. And when that is destroyed, you destroy Christianity through the courts. And that's what happens when you substitute it with a UN Constitution or a EU Constitution. So so I know it's a little bit complicated, and it requires a, a little bit of thinking and a little bit of exposure to it, but it is that issue is a thousand times more spiritual than the superficial issues that the Christian leaders are telling people are spiritual, which really mean nothing. I I, I hope I, I it's tough to say it simply, but I hope I that you know you did, yeah, that was marvelous because uh, most people today are missing the bigger picture, and, and we're trying to provide the bigger picture here. Paul McGuire has done a great job. Uh, folks, PaulMcGuire.us uh, is his website, uh, and he's written extensively about about the different uh, treaties from TPP to uh, and the vehicles, the uh, uh, TPA, the vehicle for the TPP, and the people and exposing people behind this. But this is su- such an important um, aspect of these treaties, whether it's NAFTA, GATT, the WTO, and then what we're seeing now with the t- uh, TPP and T. Uh, uh, T, uh, what is a TTIP, the Atlantic and Pacific, but both of these, uh, working hand in hand. But, uh, I don't see a lot of exposure. The way, the way you map this out, I, I don't see that. I don't see too many people, if anyone, really talking about it in the fashion, in the manner that you just did. And it's so critical that we understand that this is an assault against us as a Christian nation. It's, a, it's an assault against us, uh, our, our morals, and we will be subjugated to a not the Constitution, not the laws, not the fabric and the culture that we've identified and, with, but 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 a, a, a I don't know a, a world court. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, a world. Yeah. So so I mean we're 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 a heartbeat away or a snap of a fingers away uh, from. Um, you know, people smashing down your front door and arresting you because you said Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through Him. That that would be considered hate speech easily. So, so we, our freedoms are already fragile, and um, at least we have the right to appeal at the present moment. For who knows how much longer, uh, we have a right to make an appeal based on the Constitution or the Bill of Rights or the Declaration of Independence or whatever. Um, But once the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights is removed and we now come under the legal jurisdiction of a U.N. world court with U.N. laws or North American Union laws, all those basic freedom of religion protections go right out the window. And, And... this is what really bothers me, and I want to say this as, as diplomatically as I possibly can. Um, in my life experience, I've had the opportunity to work with, interview many of the nations 
leading uh, evangelical leaders. Uh, they know me by name. I know them by name. Uh, I respect them, uh, most of them. Uh, we have a, a good relationship. Many of them publicly endorse my ministry. Now, having said that, I, I'm really not trying to be unkind, and I'm, I'm certainly not trying to diminish the many good things that they do do, because they do many good things and many courageous things. But and I don't want to sound arrogant either, so if, if I come off even slightly arrogant, I, I apologize. But the, the problem is because they haven't really, and their advisors haven't really studied these issues and really thought it through, and because they have not educated themselves uh, to the real nature of how trade treaties affect our Christianity and our moral belief system, um, they are leading God's people uh, not intentionally, but, but they're leading them down the path of destruction. And that's why I, I've written all these books and, and speak out on it. Uh, again, I'm not trying to attack my uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who, who are doing a good job in many areas, but they really have failed themselves and the people. I could name names right now. I could drop 25 names, I'm not going to, of national Christian leaders, but they don't grasp, Doug, uh, what you just said. And because of that, they're leading people to vote for the wrong person. They're leading people to to, to focus on, on the wrong things. And we're going to lose our, our country and our freedoms because we're, it's too late in the game to make these strategic mistakes. One of the reasons we wrote The Babylon Code, and my co-author is Troy Anderson, a Pulitzer Prize-nominated journalist, and we, we, in the Babylon Code, we talk about the secret societies, and many of these Christian leaders have a problem with secret societies because they don't believe that secret societies are valid and that they exist. And the reason they don't believe they're valid or that they exist is, again, I don't mean to be unkind, is that they haven't educated themselves and really done their homework. So working with Troy, who's a Pulitzer Prize-nominated journalist, gave me the opportunity in the Babylon Code to write a book with mainstream, powerful, credible documentation that proves, uh, without any possibility of de debate, that these secret societies, these world order game plans are indeed true, they're not frivolous conspiracy theories, and we have mainstream credible documentation. To, to my surprise, uh, the Babylon Code is, again, number one, it's the number one selling prophecy book in all the world, according to Amazon, and it's reaching a lot of Christian leaders, it's being distributed in Washington, D.C., and most importantly, people are using it. I think the thing that gratifies me the most is people are buying the book and giving it to friends and pastors who are at least open to the possibility of understanding this, uh, because I have not heard from anybody who's read the book who didn't reverse their position on things like the reality of the Illuminati, secret societies, and some of the things that some people would say are conspiracy theories. After reading the book, I think it's been like a. I don't. I, oh, we had one person who wrote me an email who, who, who uh, refused to believe what we said. But ninety-nine percent of the people uh, were provided with enough evidence to, ch to to begin to to take things like the Illuminati, 
globalism and uh, the other stuff seriously as a serious threat. You know, I think through the Babylon Code, folks, I think Paul really captures the, at least in my view, having read it, taken a lot of notes from it, you, you capture the fact that what we saw originate or develop uh, or, or be erected in the, uh, the plains of Shinar and, and Babylon with Nimrod, uh, we saw you really did a marvelous job. You and Troy did a marvelous job of of really uh, laying out the evidence there that the, the Luciferian objectives of Babylon and and how that is still carried on today. How how we're seeing that the old or the new world order is really the old world order it hasn't really the objectives haven't changed and it's um well pretty much the the, the same old was well, the same objective just different faces but the same overall objectives and the same uh, luciferian mindset ideology that's interwoven through time and and it once people understand i think i i, I mean and please correct me if i'm wrong but i think once people understand that uh uh, the contextual, once people read, for example, the Babylon Code, you're, you're then able to contextualize the events that have taken place over the last 3,000 years. And you can identify the roles of the secret societies, the roles of the global elite. And then everything falls into place with respect to the, the, as you mentioned before, the trade treaties, the international agreements, and this push toward this globalistic society. This is what we're trying to expose through the larger picture here of you from cruising altitude. And, and you do this very well through your book. So I think it's so, it's so important for people to really understand the bigger picture and have all of the elements that you lay out in the Babylon Code, have all of the elements of this, and, and as well as the prophecy of the future of America, because you you bring it all together through your writings. And I just thought it was just wonderful. So um, I mean, well, I, it pretty I, much summarizes it, right? Yeah, and I appreciate that because um, if people um, read, and, and many of your listeners have, uh, read the Old Testament, and God delivers uh, the children of Israel from Pharaoh and the Pharaoh God king system, delivers them from being slaves. So then we see Joshua and Caleb who are uh, uh, asked by God to conquer the giants that happened to be Nephilim uh, in the land of Canaan. And the tribes in the land of Canaan, according to the Bible, are tribes like the Jebusites, the, the Kazazites, the Canaanites, and all these tribes. Now, the, the common uh, sociological factors of all these tribes in Canaan who are giants, because they're Nephilim, which means they're the byproduct of interspecies breeding between fallen angels and human women, uh, which is what Genesis 6 is all about, the Benai Elohim, the, the sons of God, mating with human women. So the common characteristic of all these pagan tribes in Canaan is they, they have a commonality of occult Luciferian worship, which consists of they, they burn their children alive uh, to the gods of Moloch and Baal, uh, they conduct human sacrifice as part of their satanic worship. They take psychedelic drugs and they get drunk and they hold the most perverse sexual orgies featuring pedophilia and all kinds of brutal 
stuff and uh it's a it's satanic worship so so it's important to understand that the history of mankind going back to the beginning you have those men and women that choose to worship the true god and then you have a large percentage of men and women throughout time who choose to worship Lucifer. And the primary characteristic of the worship of Lucifer, no matter what religion it's actually called, is it's always death. It always emphasizes slaughtering other people or sacrificing people, degradation, enslavement, uh, human sex trafficking, rape, murder, torture, and the worship of demons and Lucifer. So you have two classes of men and women, those that worship the true God, and the Jews were called to do that and, and theoretically live out the teachings of the, the light of God's word. And then in the New Testament we have the Christians who worship Jesus Christ, uh, the true God. But then you have this this other group of humanity that uh, are involved in Luciferian worship, and of course this will culminate in the worship of the uh, Antichrist, uh, where this stuff will go on. So right now in our society today, whether it whether it's Prince's strange death, and his, uh, if you listen to the Prince talking, he, he makes a lot of statements about the Illuminati and uh, chemtrails and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then he mysteriously dies. You have these mysterious rock and roll figures, many of them with Illuminati or occult connections, dying mysterious death. Uh, the, the daughter of the rock and roll promoter, Peaches Geldof, uh, was a member of OTO, Aleister Crowley, the great Satanist cult, and she had a mysterious death. Uh, and then we see, of course, the Illuminati symbolism, um, and rituals on the music videos and MTV and the Super Bowl and then on all the corporate logos or many of the corporate logos we see like the Queen of Heaven on a coffee cup or we see a giant oil company and if you look at the symbols in the, in the name of the oil company they're swastikas and so many of the uh, uh, like there's a famous internet service provider company and it, it, the logo is the pyramid with the all-seeing eye of Lucifer. Why is it that there are so many corporate logos that have occultic symbols? Because we have uh, on one hand what's left of Judeo-Christian civilization in the world today, but on the other hand we have this parallel semi-secret society uh, of people that are deeply involved in satanic religions. And as I point out in my new book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, the fastest-growing religion in America today is Wicca, or the religion of witchcraft. So, Troubling. Yeah, indeed. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it was the fastest-growing religion. Yeah, it is. It's even surpassing Islam. Okay, that's yeah. The, wow. So, so, is that just in America, or is that throughout the West, or throughout the world? I I don't know about the rest of the world. I know it is in, in America. And then, okay. as you both know, we they had the uh, arches of the Temple of Baal 
that are going to be uh, erected in Times Square and in Great Britain, or at least they they, they plan to have them erected. And uh, because ISIS destroyed the other parts of the temple, so the United Nations uh, uh, wants to rebuild the gateways of the Temple of Baal or Satan in Times Square and in London. And what happened at the Temple of Baal, think about this for a moment, Uh, a very powerful elite wants to reconstruct the giant archways of the Temple of Baal in London and in Times Square simultaneously. But what happened at the Temple of Baal? There was human sacrifice and the ritualistic sacrifice of children to Satan. So they're saying, well, we're doing this for historical reasons. I don't believe it's being done for historical reasons. I believe that there are high-level Luciferians that have a spiritual interest in reconstructing the archways of the Temple of Baal in Times Square and London. And I believe also that it's a precursor to uh, perhaps, this is speculation on my point, perhaps another uh, uh, urban London Times Square event that might involve uh, mass annihilation, uh, potentially also known as human sacrifice. Wow. Uh, Okay, consider that, folks. I mean, um, hmm. Yeah, I just had to take a moment there to really let that sink in. And, and Joe, we were talking about that. Um, oh, man, very convenient exploitation, very convenient way of saying, yeah, because of the destruction, we're going to recreate these. And, and um, yeah, it's needless, number one. Uh, of all the things ISIS destroyed or the, the Muslim terrorists destroyed, this was okay by me but that aside um, the, its recreation certainly does not bode well for western civilization in total and it's more than it's recre- I mean it's the recreation and the uh, making it you know as an idol you know, recreating it not only where it once stood but putting it in places where it does not belong exactly yeah. right well, the, yeah, other, yeah. the other go ahead oh, I'm sorry no, well, no, the other thing that the the other thing that's interesting, uh, not not interesting, it's disturbing. Um, there is, I said uh, that um, uh, Wicca is the fastest growing religion in the United States, or, or witchcraft, and um, there is an, an invasion, for lack of better better words, a penetration of many churches uh, by witches. Uh, who act and dress as if they were ideal Christians. Now, um, I've been at meetings where I've seen this, and um, the thing that people need to understand is that when when a group of Christians gather and there's a very low level of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit in operation, um, you, you don't have the spiritual power uh, and discernment to recognize that there are people who are practicing witches or whatever that have 
intermingled themselves in your assembly. You don't have the spiritual power to discern it because you're, the, the, the power level of the Holy Spirit is so weak in the room. But when you go to a meeting, uh, a worship meeting or a prayer meeting, where the, I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm talking about where the power, where the power level of the Holy Spirit is at a very high voltage state, and that may or may not be uh, car, with corresponding emotion. There may be total emotional calmness, but a very high voltage of the Holy Spirit in the room, or there may be uh, a high voltage of the Holy Spirit and emotion. But emotion isn't the issue; it's the level, of the power level of the Holy Spirit operating in the lives of believers. Uh, in a church meeting or a prayer meeting. When that happens, what I've noticed is that when the supernatural power of God or the anointing of the Holy Spirit is released in power in a room uh, where Christians are truly worshiping God in spirit and truth, what I've noticed is that that there's a spiritual encounter. The Holy Spirit forces the the demonic spirits of witchcraft to either manifest themselves and you'll see people contorting and uh, uh, rolling their eyes back or leaving the room or other other kinds of disturbances because you see witches uh, and people who are carrying demons uh, are, are very witches are quite comfortable in dead churches when, when a church is devoid of the Holy Spirit, which means it's devoid of the presence of God, we read in the New Testament that when Jesus would cast the demons out of people uh, or encounter demons, many of these demons would live in what was called the dry places, the dry places. Well, that meant that the demons were comfortable to exist, at least spiritually, in places where there was no presence of the Lord, where there was no Holy Spirit, dry places, spiritually barren places. Demons are comfortable uh, dwelling there. And uh, that's why it said the demons stayed in the dry places. So when a church or a prayer meeting is devoid of the Spirit of God, it becomes a dry place because there's the absence of the rivers of living water. There's the absence of the presence of the Lord and the glory of the Lord. And when the glory of the Lord or the presence of the Lord or the living water is absent from a gathering of Christians, um, witches that have demons in them and demons are quite comfortable in entering that meeting and staying there. Because they feel at home there. There's no, there's no confronting power. Because there's no, the spirit of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit is not allowed to move in that meeting, and so the the, demon, the demons inside the witches are very, very, very comfortable. So why, what I'm trying to get at here is that if you, if people that are listening to your program are attending a church on a regular basis or attending a, a prayer meeting on a regular basis where they go through all the external outward Christian rituals, but there's no uh, 
presence of the Lord in the worship. The, the glory of the Lord is not in the worship, and there's no uh, rivers of living water. That gathering becomes a dry place, and then it becomes uh, de facto a dwelling place and a habitation for demons and a comfortable places for witches and other people that are heavily into the occult to infiltrate and to be a part of. But when you, and, and what we do in these prayer meetings that I have with Paradise Mountain Church, like the one coming up May 26th um, at the Garland Hotel here in L.A., um, uh, and they can get more information at paulmcguire.us, is I always lead the people in a time of repentance and intercessory prayer. And th- what happens is that there's a breakthrough and the room may not be initially filled with the presence of the Lord, because I don't know the spiritual condition of everybody that's coming into the room. But when we gather together in prayer, we repent of our sins, and we come boldly to the throne of grace to find an ever-present help in time of need. And we begin to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. What happens is the presence of God fills the room, uh, the glory of God fills the room, and the rivers of living water flow uh, uh, through the lives of of believers into the room. And when that happens, if there are people involved in witchcraft or demonic activity or whatever, they're flushed out because the power of the Holy Spirit will not allow uh, somebody involved in the demonic or witchcraft or whatever to, to be comfortable the, the force, the dunamis power of God will, on a spiritual level, confront and dislodge those uh, demonic powers, and they're driven out. Now, the, the problem here, and this may, be a lot of, this may be a very heavy thing for people to grasp, but it works, on, it works three ways. It works in families, it works in churches and prayer meetings, it works in communities, and it works in a nation like the United States of America. When the Church of Jesus Christ or Christians in a family unit or a church or a prayer meeting or Christians collectively in a nation are operating at a very, very low level of the Spirit of God, where there's the almost total absence of the rivers of living water, and where there's the almost total absence of the glory of God and the presence of God over a nation, a family, or a community. This allows the entrance of people in the occult and witchcraft and Satanism to have free reign, and all hell breaks loose in the invisible realm. And and the demonic and evil and perversion and darkness begins to manifest, and fascism and totalitarianism and uh, those kinds of things begin to manifest. Because there's no check, there's no brakes on the power of Lucifer. Because when the church is dead or devoid of spiritual power, Lucifer has free reign. But when the church or individual Christians begin to admit ownership or personal responsibility for as stewards allowing to neglect the power of God to be diminished or to be at an extremely low level, when we as Christians admit that we have created this negative spiritual environment, 
and then we come before God and we specifically ask Him to forgive us for allowing this deteriorating spiritual condition, God will honor our repentance if it's sincere. He'll cleanse us with the blood of the Lamb. He'll allow us entrance into the throne room of God. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. And because we've repented over what we've done wrong, which is the neglect of the Spirit of God in our midst, because we've repented, God will forgive and cleanse us with his blood. And then in an act of grace or unmerited favor, as we worship the Lord, the Lord will release the rivers of living water to flow through us. The Lord will allow, will visit our meetings and prayer meetings and churches and our nation and our communities with his presence. And the Lord's glory will begin to show up in our nation, our communities, and our churches. When that happens, the spiritual dimension or the spiritual atmosphere is completely changed, and the demonic and witches and satanic powers are driven out in like nanoseconds by the power of uh, the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. There's an instantaneous transformation in the spiritual atmosphere in the church, the prayer meeting, the community, the family, or the nation. And when that instantaneous transformation occurs, and the glory of God and the presence of God infuses itself in uh, the reality that we live in, instantaneously there's there's an ignition there's a detonation of the dunamis the dynamite power of god and it literally like the force of dynamite it blows out the demonic and those in witchcraft and satanism it blows them out or at least the demonic entities that that, that they carry with them out of a nation the spirit of Antichrist is driven out of a nation, a community, uh, a family, or a church. So, you see, our willingness to pray and to stand in the gap is the game changer. God says to us, you know, we're responsible for what happens, and we either uh, we either are apathetic and therefore empower the demonic forces, or we do what David did, and we accept the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we drive out the, the, the Goliaths. And so that's our task in the days ahead. Christianity is not a spectator sport, is what you're saying. We have to be right uh, proactive. And, 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 and yeah, I understand that's right. that. And, yeah, and we by our inaction, we are allowing. We're giving domain. We're, we're giving up uh, uh, territory to to Lucifer and his minions here on Earth. And, wow. Yeah. We we need to take the fight to. Um, I think as Christians, we need to we need to be we need to man up, show up, and and play our game. Uh, you know, play yeah, right, get in right. the game to play it. That is wow. right. So, so when you see the violence by professional organizers and agitators, etc., that is just one manifestation among many of uh, ultimately. A demonic stronghold in the invisible realm, and if the, and if the church was doing its job properly, which is to be uh, interceding and praying and man up to our positions, as you said, uh, 
then there would be a restraint by the Holy Spirit against these uh, violent forces and disruptive forces. But if these violent and disruptive forces, which are ultimately energized by demonic powers, are not restrained by the force of the Holy Spirit, then all hell's going to break loose. And when I say all hell's going to break loose, America is going to be in a very bad place. But that doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen. Or it doesn't have to happen now, I mean, I mean right, although right, we right. can't, we we can't change prophecy. We can certainly right. ask for God's, um, um, you know, ask for abeyance from God. So exactly right through our actions, and, and you know, the, the, the whole thing. And, and as you were talking, I was thinking too of the uh, various social uh, uh, the problems we have from the. Uh, the, the bathroom, so-called bathroom uh, situation, and people saying, "Oh, it's a distraction," uh, you, you know, about the uh, uh, transgendered uh, bathrooms yeah. and whatever. Well, no, it's not a distraction. What it is, it's it's a convenient cover for a larger agenda, and that's to to, to rip out our you know culture and spiritual identity. Wow. Exactly. Well, yeah, uh, I got to tell you, this, this program went incredibly fast. We're at yes, the close of our show right now, Paul. You, you took it home, yeah. brother. Thank you. Um, well, great having, great being your guest again. It's always great. Oh, pr- appreciate appreciate you being on. Uh, let's do this again. Sometime. No, 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 I appreciate being on. It's your show. <laughs> I appreciate. <laughs> Wait, what I say? Appreciate being I on. Think you said whatever. you appreciate. Oh, anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> miscommunication. <laughs> oh man, whatever. But uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been a long week. But uh, God bless you, my friend, and uh, don't God forget, folks, May twenty sixth. Paradise Mountain Church. Go to paulmcguire.us and check out the uh, Prophecy and Intercessory Prayer Meeting. Um, right yeah. there on his website, Paradise Mountain Church, May 26, 7 p.m. Free registration. You just have to worry about parking. That is in North Hollywood, California. Again, go to paulmcguire.us for all the details. It's right on the top of his front page. Yeah. All right, brother. Thank you, sir. Have a great, uh, have all a great right. one. God bless you, gentlemen. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that now well, I didn't yeah. talk to you about this yet, but oh, next Tuesday, yeah, uh, before Stan, Flip Benham. All right, all right, all right, and we got some other guests uh, lined up. We don't have well, update the schedule. scheduled yet, but I wanted to uh, right. announce that to you because we did not get a chance to talk before uh, the show, right before the show, and that happened in the meantime there. But it was a great week this week. Yeah. Um, we had Steve Quell and Pastor Langford Monday. Double header. Greg Jackson was on Tuesday before uh, Stan came on. Then you had uh, Steve Quell and Gary Haven on Wednesday and for Norris, the yeah. film Amerigeddon. And yesterday, Michael Snyder was with us for the first time, which was an awesome show. And tonight was an awesome show and again Greg Jackson with Paul McGuire. Stan. Did you say that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, wow. Well, we will uh, see you guys back here on Monday. Uh, minus, uh, watch watchhagmanreport.com because uh, I, I got some things to say. I got some things to write, and I want to do some do some uh, video reports as well this weekend. If anything does break, we will be with you this weekend. It's folks, keep your ears and eyes tuned to the news. Anything can happen. We're entering into a very very tenuous time. Make sure you go to PaulMcGuire.us, register for the uh, register for the May 26th event, and uh, send them an email. Tell them how much you appreciate them.
This is the Global Star Radio Network. Break. 